0: Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students podcast. This week, we take a break from our James series to focus on the season of Advent. Hope and peace are the first candles of Advent that we cover. Follow along and we hope you enjoy the message. Good morning. It's good to see you guys again. Uh, It's always weird to not be with you guys on a Sunday, so we... Got one over Thanksgiving, it's a little bit weird, and then over Christmas break, it'll be strange to not see you, but it's good. So, like Nathan said, we are taking a break from our series in James. We'll kick back up in January, and we will finish the book of James in January. So, you got time between now and then to catch up. If you want to go listen or watch on YouTube or uh, Apple Podcasts or one of those kind of places, you can you can catch up or be reminded of some of the things we've talked through and walked through in the book of James. But for the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about uh, this season called Advent, which there's this whole thing that's called the Christian calendar, which really is kind of a, hey, during the year, what are some things that we, uh, within our faith and as people of God, what are some things that we celebrate? And some churches hold really tightly to that, and they uh, celebrate things that maybe you didn't even realize were a part of uh, the Christian calendar. But one of those things is Advent, and uh, Advent is a season where it's really a season of looking forward to Christmas and not to Santa coming down the chimney, even though that's fun, and not to presents under the tree, even though that's great. And I hope you get what you want. But really, it's it's looking towards Christmas and remembering, looking back to the first arrival of Jesus, of God in the flesh, God taking on flesh, coming as a baby, coming as Jesus. Advent is all about remembering, looking back towards his first arrival, and then looking forward forward towards, in many ways, his second arrival, the second coming of Jesus. In fact, the word advent comes from the Latin word adventus. Everybody say adventus. Turn to your neighbor and say adventu. Yeah, that is, I don't know really what that means, but you just did it. So, uh, Adventus is the Latin word from which we get our word Advent, and it means arrival. All right, Advent means arrival, and so the, during the four weeks or four Sundays leading up to Christmas, uh, some churches will have. If you go to like a Catholic church, which is uh, how I grew up until the sixth grade, or you go to maybe a Lutheran Lutheran church, or kind of they call those churches a lot of times like a, a high church or a more traditional church, they would have the wreath with all of the candles. And we do have this, this picture up here. Our, our Advent logo has the, uh, oh no, that's, no, no, th- save that for later. Save that for later. This is our, our Advent logo has the candles in it. I don't know if you guys are aware but we are not allowed to light candles in uh, in our buildings here. And you may be like, why? Are you against fire? No, I, I think fire's pretty cool. I'm not a pyro or anything like some of you guys are. And, and we see that that's true at, at times like 4th of July and uh, among other times. But uh, even New Year's. But we can't light candles here because there was a fire when we were at the Southside Christian School building years and years ago now. Actually, I was in the student ministry then, and I was in the gym the night that it caught on fire. We were playing some weird like uh, leapfrog game, and I was jumping over, and my friend You know, can look up into the vents, and there's, there's smoke coming out of the vents. And so somebody said, hey, we should get out of here. So we did, and little did we know, I mean, we could kind of guess, but the, the building ends up on fire. So now there's a lot more fire codes and precautions and almost everything painted in here is uh, some sort of fireproof paint and all that fun stuff. So there's your fun fact for the day. While we don't have real Advent calendars, maybe I need to get some fake ones. Uh, but the, the Advent uh, candles, I said calendars, didn't I? The Advent, we can, we can have an Advent calendar, I think. The Advent candles, it is a wreath that typically holds four candles on the outside of the wreath. These four candles represent four words. You might wanna take a stab at what some of those might be. Nobody wanted to in first service. Yeah. Hope. Nice. Hope's one of them. Anybody else? Yep. Uh, faith. It can be. Yeah. Hope. Faith. We'll go with that. Yep. Peace is one. Perfect. You might want to give me a fourth one. Sometimes love. Some, yes. Yeah, sometimes they're interchangeable. Okay. So we're going to do, uh, today we're going to do hope. And peace, and then we're going to do joy, and and love, or sometimes people will do life uh, for that last one. So, or some some people will also do faith. They're a little interchangeable. We're going to land on four uh, words this year, being hope, peace, joy, and and life. So, over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about each of those uh, candles, so to speak, or at least what they represent. And you'll notice though that there's actually five candles that are up on the screen right now. If we had a wreath here, they would have a fifth candle right in the middle that is always lit and that is used to light each week all uh, of the other candles. Uh, The first week you light one, the second week you're lighting two, the third week you're lighting three, and so on. That candle in the middle is representative of Jesus Christ. That he is the one who upon his arrival, upon his adventus, he brought hope and joy and peace and all of these things into the world. And he is the one through whom those things continue to go forth. That they didn't just stop like he came and then for 33 years, those things were here on earth as he lived his life and eventually gave himself on the cross for us. And now those things are no more. But no, we continue to have that light shine and those things continue to advance and move forward in our world and in many of our lives today. So for the next two weeks, we're going to break the four parts of Advent uh, down into two segments. So today we're going to do uh, hope and peace, two of those candles, and then next week we will we'll finish off our, our own Advent wreath here. Uh, so you can go ahead and turn your Bibles. We're going to start out with... Talking about hope to Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to be there. Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah is pretty much, I know this might be a, a Bible, a sword drill for some of you. It's like in the, almost the dead center of your Bibles. You can tell mine's almost half and half. You can use your, your uh, table of contents if you want to. Look, at, look up at the, the front of your book. There's no shame in that, okay? Uh, how many of you guys have a- actually celebrated Advent before or celebrated as a family each year? Anybody? A few of you? Wow, very few. There's a few more in, in first hour. How many of you have used an Advent calendar before? You already got a tease. Okay, so you've used that before. Uh, you've already got a tease. Me and my family, the way we're, we're celebrating Advent right now is with this Advent calendar. Uh, you can put that Lego one up there because that's the one that my family is using. Isn't that fun? The One of them is. One of them is five plus. The other one, my three-year-old is using this calendar illegally. So... <laughs> Yeah, please don't tell anybody. <laughs> don't don't tell Charlie. Oh no. Uh but so the deal is if you've ever used a an advent calendar, you you would go and each day there's something new to do on the Advent calendar. So uh, typically it's 1 through 24 or 1 through 25 uh, from the first day of December all the way until Christmas. And last year we had one where we were putting up like angels or we had a little uh, like cloth Mary and Joseph and we were just kind of putting them on these Velcro things on the calendar. This year we decided to up the ante a little bit and there's some prizes involved. And so each day the boys go and they open up uh, this kind of flap thing folds out, and you get a whole box of 24 or 25 little doors that you open up with little Legos that eventually will build, minus the, like, actually awesome buildings and stuff in here. Um, <laughs> it'll build, like, those, that little Christmas scene right there for the boys, and so they get really excited about it, but inevitably... They're also incredibly impatient about it, okay? So you better believe that today is December 4th, and already half of those boxes, the flaps on them, are are flipped open, okay? And we have to say, no, 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 buddies, let's let's put the Legos back. And part of it is, I mean, they're kids and they don't understand, but some of that anticipation and excitement is meant to be what builds in the Advent season. It's It's a season of celebrating the arrival, but with it comes... Hey, so let's, let's slow down. Let's pause. Let's, let's be calm for once, one, one time of year even, which I know is kind of the opposite of what sometimes the Christmas season feels like because we're running around and we're trying to make sure that we have enough money to buy gifts and we're trying to make sure that we buy the right gift and we gotta buy it on time. We have to order it on time so that it'll be here. We gotta make sure we get the sale while the sale is there so that it doesn't end. And then we've gotta go to all the Christmas parties If I'm not talking fast enough to help you understand how fast the season sometimes feels, I think you guys can understand. Christmas can oftentimes feel very chaotic and very busy, but Advent is meant to remind us to, hey, slow down, stop. I know that you want to get to the next thing, but have some patience. These are things we're trying to help my boys understand. Have some patience. We, We are going to celebrate. All these things are going to come together and as we're doing the whole Christmas thing that has become very commercialized and very sanctified and materialized in our culture today, hey, would you remember the real reason for the season? And I know that's such a cheesy, rhymy line, right? But it is, it is so true and so helpful and so needed in our culture that would you remember Jesus and his birth, his arrival? So that's really what Advent is for. And to be honest, all these things having to remember and having to pause and having to remain patient, those were things that on on the other side of Jesus' birth, before Jesus' arrival, people were having to wait. They heard through many prophecies. In fact, hundreds of prophecies are in the Old Testament. Prophecy meaning something that was said about something that would come. And specifically, I'm talking about prophecies about the coming Savior, the coming Messiah, the coming Christ the one who we now know as, as Jesus. And for thousands of years, people would hear prophecies and they had to wait for that prophecy to be fulfilled. God's people, the Jewish people, they heard from many prophets, including this guy, Isaiah, who were reading the, the, the book that has his, his title. Isaiah would say things about the coming Jesus and the, and the people could only look forward to that day, not knowing everything that would look like, having certain ideas about what it would look like, But holding on to, no, he's going to come. God promised it, and it is going to happen. So, What we're reading today, we're just going to read two verses from Isaiah chapter 9. These are things that, in in, in fact, these are probably pretty familiar verses for you, even if you've never read them specifically from Isaiah. You've probably heard them if you've been around the church or even watched a a Christmas movie before. And you may have thought, oh, that's a really nice thing to say. Or maybe you would have thought, oh, that's something that was written about at Jesus' birth, like in the Gospels, maybe Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, maybe they wrote that. But it was something that actually was said hundreds of years before Jesus was born and was something that people held on to for that entire time. Hey, this is who's going to come. So let's see what is said about Jesus long before he put on flesh and came to earth. Verse 6 of chapter 9 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. So again, hundreds, think about this, hundreds of years before Jesus is is even on the scene, is even born of Mary, is even a little baby crying in a manger. Hundreds of years before that, this guy Isaiah is prophesying it. God gave him words to speak and, and eventually to be written down about the coming Christ, the coming Savior. And the people started to get excited inevitably. In some sense, that's what We should be doing like Christmas. The Christmas season should be an exciting time as we're remembering this Jesus. But the Jewish people, God's people, they would have been looking forward with excitement. Yes, this is the one. And when he comes and they had all kinds of ideas about who he would be when he came, that when Jesus comes to earth, that he would do away with everyone who is oppressing us. I don't know if they saw it like a snap of a finger or just like a, a, a fist just to the ground, like a Hulk smash or something, you know. But somehow he would, he would do away with all the people who were oppressing them and he would, boom, take rule and reign himself. And that he would rule like a God king. This is how people thought that Jesus would be. That he would rule like a God king when they heard this language about government, yes, come establish your government, establish your rule and reign here on the earth. And so they held on to that hope. And in fact, many Jewish people today are still holding on to that hope. You may not realize this, but, but Jewish people are still waiting for the Messiah to come. They're still waiting for a Savior, they're still waiting for the Christ. In a lot of ways, they've, they've missed it. Because Jesus did come to do all of those things and to fulfill this prophecy from Isaiah and hundreds of other prophecies throughout the scriptures that were spoken about him before he was born. He came to be the fulfillment of all of those things. He just didn't always fulfill them in the way that people expected. And so he came to turn many things upside down. He came for sure to establish a new kingdom and a new government of sorts. He came to to bring people who were oppressed up and out of that oppression. He came to do many of the things that people thought, just not in the way that, he thought, that they thought that he would. And people missed it. But somehow, and this is part of the mystery of God and the mystery of the gospel, somehow God has seen fit to open many of our eyes in this room and open our ears and open our hearts that we can see for, for some reason God has allowed us to do this, to to see that Jesus really is who Isaiah prophesied he would be and so much more. And so we get to look back, this side of Jesus' first arrival, this side of his life, his death, his resurrection. And we get to celebrate that arrival because we know many of the things that came with it. One of those things being this hope. See, the Jewish people would have looked to these words, even though they didn't exactly know how it would play out, even if they had some sort of kind of, uh, say, say, a twist or just a different take on how that would look and how that would play out. But they, they looked to this hope knowing that if God said it, if it's been prophesied, if this is from the Lord, then God is going to do it. It is, it is a hope that is assured. This is biblical hope. It is certain. It is definite. It is definite. It will happen. That's biblical hope. And I know a a, a few months back, we talked about hope. We had a whole series on hope. So hopefully this is a reminder, or maybe for you it's a first time. But the hope that is represented in the candle in Advent season is a hope that is certain. It is sure. It is not a hope like what we often think about hope as in our world today. Where, hey, I hope that when I wake up on Christmas morning, that thing's going to be under the tree. You know, like there's some presence where, you know, pretty sure, hey, I think that's going to be under. And there's other things like, but I really hope that I also get this. That's not biblical hope. It's not wishful thinking. It's not just a fleeting hope, but it's a hope that is secure. A hope that is sure. It's a hope that is as sure as I know that I'm going to get off of school for Christmas break. I, I, it's, I mean, even that, I guess, the superintendent could come down and say, no, this Christmas, you will do schoolwork, right? But, but it's, pretty, it's pretty darn sure, and even more sure is the hope that we have in Jesus, that we can look back and know, hey, he proved himself. He's, he, he was said to come. The Lord said that this Messiah would come, and he did, and did all of the things that was prophesied about him and more. And now, this side, we get to look forward, knowing that one day Jesus will come back. It is for sure. It is certain. So how does that help you now? How does it help you now? That You know, one day, you you, you know for sure that all wrongs will be made right, all sad things will be made happy, that God will will do with the world what he originally intended to do it, that it will be heaven and earth combined together, that we'll be walking with the Lord, that we'll be with him eternally. Those things will be true one day. How does it help you now? Well, don't we live in a world that is in need of hope? We live in a world that we try to attach ourselves oftentimes to, to things. And it doesn't matter what it is or how much it cost or what you did to get it. Eventually that thing will break or wither or go away. Or you'll just find simply that that thing comes up short and doesn't actually bring you all the happiness and joy and whatever else you thought it would do for your life. That no amount of money can fix everything that you deal with. So if you put your hope in money, that's going to fail. And you might say, well, I've got a really good group of friends, but yeah, friends move away. Friends betray you. Friends say things about you that you wish nobody said about you. But what about family? What about family? Man, family's the same way, isn't it? You guys have seen probably some of the family drama and tension that happens in your own families. Maybe not your immediate, but your extended. And you know that even family lets you down. A career, what if I end up being a doctor or a teacher or... man. Yeah, but there's layoffs. And there's sometimes where you might miss the cut and maybe you come up short and you don't get to go to the school of your choice. Whatever it is for you that you try to grasp at and find hope and security in, that you try to find certainty and and sureness in, it will and can and does let you down. But not our God. That in the middle of everything crumbling and letting you down and being out of your control, in the middle of things being not exactly how you planned, that there is a God who continues to hold it all in his hands and has promised to work all things out for our good and for his glory. Not, notice this, not necessarily in the good that we think. Like, oh, he's promised to work everything for my good. This is the Romans 8 passage, Right? He's promised to work everything for my good, so that means like Christmas is gonna turn out exactly how I wanted, and this is gonna, ha- no, 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 not necessarily. In some ways, we're like the Jews where we twist and we try to make our idea, yeah, surely this is the idea of what God has in mind for good. No, no, no. He's working it out and what he says is good. And the truth is what he says is good is always better than what we say is good. In fact, a, a pastor this week, we had a, our pastor's meeting and he was like, man, the older I get, He's pretty old. He's not really that old. It was Rob Marks. (laughs) He's not that old. Uh, Rob said something along the lines of, you know, the older I get, the more I see that as much as I hold on to my plans, my plans are rarely ever the same as God's, and his are always better than mine. And that's part of what it means to have this hope, this hope secure, this hope certain, this hope for sure. That God, not only is he going to take care of everything in the end, but he is also taking care of and in control of it all right now. And we can have that hope. How do we know that we can have that hope? Because we can look back to Jesus and his arrival. So that's hope. That's biblical hope. That's the first candle. Second one, promise we're not going to take quite as long on that one, is this candle of peace. We're just going to stay right in this passage because Isaiah mentioned it for us. He says at the end of verse 6, he starts naming off these things that Jesus would be known as wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. That's where we can find our hope. And then he says prince of peace, that Jesus is the prince of peace, that as he came to this world, he was this, you know, one light in the center of all these candles that he was bringing hope and he was also bringing peace. Peace. And if hope is something where we talk about and you're like, I, don't, I mean, I'm not really sure how that directly affects my life. Hopefully you were listening and you understood maybe some areas where it might affect your life. But peace surely is something that you might see a need for in your life. I mean, our world is chaotic. Like things that are going on that are, are happening around the world, for sure, chaotic. But even very close to home, we each have stories of some unrest and some brokenness, some chaos, some areas in our life where we need peace, maybe you didn't know this, uh, but a friend reminded me of this this week that uh, that this time of year, when days get shorter, you know the darkness comes a little quicker uh, can't we figure that out? Like, there's got to be some technology that stops that, right? But, but days get shorter. There's it's holidays, and then uh, eventually February has like the shortest days of any month. Um, I mean, th- this whole season of, of a little bit darker, a little bit colder, a little bit crazier, oftentimes people uh, end up having this thing called SAD. Have you, have you heard of this? somebody reminded me of it, and I was like, you mean like when people cry? (laughs) Like when somebody's sad about something happening? No, no, no. SAD is an acronym for seasonal anxiety and depression. Seasonal anxiety and depression. And maybe you're feeling that. Maybe you're feeling some of the the heaviness this month, and you didn't even realize why. And maybe some of it is the seasonal stuff. Maybe it's that you got other things going on. But there's, there's so much anxiety and depression in our world today, and maybe some of you are feeling it right now. There's turmoil within friendships and within family, there's all kinds of stuff going on, like in in our own neighborhood, in our own backyard, in our own schools. That's just hard, man. That's broken. That maybe even thinking about it makes you anxious. I know in some ways it does me. And those are places where the Prince of Peace came to offer peace. I think often we think of peace just as peace between us and God. But I think that the peace that the Prince of Peace offers, and we see this all throughout scripture, is that it's, it's not just peace between us and God, but it's peace with us and God, us and other people, us and ourselves, and even us and creation. These were kind of some of the first relationships. You can see these all the way back in the book of Genesis, that these relationships were in existence and that when sin entered into the world, it fractured and broke relationships between us and all of these things. And now Jesus, the Prince of Peace, offers us peace in each of those things between us and God. Maybe this is the most self-explanatory, but that Jesus, he didn't just come and just be born, but his entire life was lived in a way that modeled and showed us peace and hope and all of these things. He lived a perfect life. He died a death that each of us deserved, giving his perfect self over as the once and for all sacrifice And then rising again, having conquered sin and death, so that you and I might be able to have eternal peace with God. Remember, there was something between us. It was our sin, and Jesus dealt with it. Jesus made a way for us to have peace with us and God. And if you don't have that yet, maybe this is the season, this is the time when you actually find that. But the peace doesn't just stop there. And it'd be amazing and worthy of praise if it did. But the peace is also for us and other people, for us and other Christians that, man, do you realize that now we are called to be like family to one another? We are the family of God. We're the people of God. And so that this peace might be extended to each of us, meeting needs and offering forgiveness and all of those things, that peace might be between us as brothers and sisters in Christ. But not just with Christians, but also with the rest of the world, that we might extend hands of peace to the rest of the world, to those who don't know him. Hey, I know that you said this about me, but I forgive you. Offering forgiveness to other people. Extending our hands and saying, hey, I know that your life is crazy, but I know somebody who is in control of all of that. Inviting them into the peace that you have with God. Peace with God, peace with others, peace with ourselves, which I know some of you need, you're in such a battle. The things that you think about yourself, the things that you say to yourself, the way that you're wrestling with stuff that you feel like you can't tell or share with anybody else. Some of us need, need peace for those things, for our, our fight with ourselves. You know, my, one of my sons, he's kind of says this thing every now and then, it, it breaks my heart, but we never use this kind of language. But every now and then, if he does something wrong, he's like, I'm, I'm just a bad boy. And we're like, no, buddy, like, don't you see the power of your words? That what you say to yourself, those are things that you're using to build yourself up or tear yourself down. And we talk about how God's created him and all this kind of stuff, but the point being, sometimes the biggest battle that we're facing is a battle with ourselves. And God offers us peace. Jesus brought peace for that. in fact, when Jesus leaves, before he, he leaves and, and dies on the cross, uh, he says, one of the last things he says to his disciples is, hey, my peace I give you, my peace I leave with you. And in that moment, he's actually talking about not just like, hey, here's a thing called peace, but he's actually talking about, hey, I'm, I'm leaving the Holy Spirit with you, the one who is peace. I'm leaving him with you. And so if you ever are in those moments where you, you just, man, I'm just wrestling with myself. Or maybe I'm wrestling with other people. Hey, you want peace in those moments, in those situations? Then ask God, hey, Lord, I know you're with me. Would you breathe some peace into this moment? Peace with God, peace with others, peace with ourselves, and then peace with creation which oftentimes is a little bit more difficult for us to grasp. For sure, one day, part of our hope is that we will get to experience creation like God intended, where we rule and reign and take care of, not abuse the creation, the world, heaven and earth that we get to enjoy with him. But right now, we're, we're invited to, hey, so like God said, have dominion and take care of the world that he's given you we're allowed to have that too. Like we don't have to keep sucking the world dry in our own way, but we can, actually, we can actually be a part of having right relationship with the things and the world that God has given us. We can have peace with those things, not letting them rule over us, but stewarding them well in the way that God has originally intended. So this morning, I know maybe it's a lot, hopefully there's a, a nugget or two that you can grab onto. We've talked about hope and peace when it comes to Advent. And my prayer for you in both of these is one that you and I would become people of hope and people of peace. That again, this extending of those things didn't just happen when Jesus was born and then the 33 years while he was here on earth, but that it keeps going now, that we are invited to extend hope and and peace to other people. And then my, my thing would be, my prayer would be that during this season that you guys would actually have a chance to slow down And remember these things about the Lord. Remember these things that with his arrival, so came hope and peace. Right now, one of the ways that we're actually going to remember is by taking communion together. So in just a second, you're going to see a green bowl coming down your row. Maybe it's going to be passed uh, down by someone walking down your row or it's just going to be... Passed down from person to person. Just take one cup. It's got a, a little cracker in it, and then uh, some some grape juice. And as you guys are getting that, remember earlier today we talked about how Advent is remembering the arrival of Jesus, his first arrival. It's looking back, but then it's also looking forward to his second arrival, the second coming of Jesus. But in the in the middle there, there also was Jesus's life, his death, and his resurrection. And Jesus. One of the last times that he was with his disciples, he actually gave us this symbol of bread and wine for his disciples. We're using a little cracker and some grape juice. That, that the bread and the grape juice would, would remind us, would help us pause for just a moment, kind of like the whole of Advent season is meant to pause and remember, that it would remind us of his sacrifice, that Jesus gave his life, his flesh, and his blood for you and me. On the cross, yes. But also in his day-to-day life, it was a constant sacrifice. I mean, he he took on flesh. He didn't have to do this. Well, in some sense he did, or else we wouldn't be made right with him. But he, but he chose, he was willing to take on flesh and ultimately sacrifice it for you and me. So let's go ahead and open up the bread, the uh, the. Cracker, if you will. Might have a little trickery. Yeah, that, that, this one's a little tricky. Uh, by the way, I think that this uh, purple lidded one is like gluten-free. So if you need to switch with a friend because you're gluten-free, you know, this cracker probably isn't going to do too much to you, is it? <laughs> well, I guess we're going to find out. But... We take this, sometimes this bread, this morning it's a cracker, to remember Jesus' sacrifice of his body. He looked at his disciples, he offered them the bread, and even though they couldn't understand the fullness of it then, they surely did later, of Jesus' sacrifice of his body, taking on flesh for you and me and ultimately giving it up for you and me. So maybe spend about 10 seconds thanking God for the sacrifice of his flesh. Let's take this cracker in remembrance of him. So and then Jesus, in the same meal, offered them some wine. This morning we have some grape juice. And he told the disciples to take this. And again, they couldn't quite understand the fullness of what he was inviting them into. But offer them to drink in remembrance of him. And today we know that it's remembering the sacrifice of his blood for you and for me, both in his life and in his death. So maybe spend another 10 seconds thanking Jesus for his sacrifice of his blood and drink this grape juice in remembrance of him. Jesus, thank you for seasons like Advent, where we get to remember your first arrival, look forward to your second arrival, and remember all of the ways that things like your hope and your peace are meant to shape and change our lives today. I pray that you would make us people of hope and people of peace that while the world is uh, shaky and out of control and chaotic and kind of the opposite of peaceful, and while there's really not any place on this earth to latch onto when it comes to hope, you are the one that we can look to for peace. You are the one where we can find true, assured hope. And so help us to do that, not just today when we talk about it on Sundays, and even not just around Christmas time, but help us to do it every single day of our lives, one step at a time. May we be people of hope and people of peace, just like you, following in your footsteps. We love you. It's in your name that we pray, amen.